Rockheads, this is Carl with an update on Music to Code By. On January 4th, 2016, I released the 11th Music to Code By track, Gold. That's right, there are now 11 25-minute tracks, including the original three. And you can download them all in one big zip file for less than 50 bucks at mtcb.poit.com. Net Rocks, episode 1255, with guest Joe Guadagno. Recorded Thursday, January 14th, 2016. And it's the series of .NET Rocks that would never end. It's uh, from NDC London. Where we did a lot of shows. We did a lot of shows. Oh, they're going to be dispersed with some other ones, too, but, you know. Yeah, I think this one's in March, isn't it? No, we're still going to be... Oh, in no, the panel's in March. The panel makes it all the way to March. It's yeah. like the last thing. So. Right, okay. Well, we're still going strong here. We're recording 12 shows while we're here. Yeah. Four a day, every day, like we almost have a real job. Yeah, it's fun. They just came and washed the windows for I us. Know, it I know. It looks really very, great in here. I feel special. I do. I know. It's very nice. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of wondering what you guys had on the yeah. windows before because they were pretty messed up. There's one thing I would like. Uh, no more curry. I'm, I'm <laughs> you're so curried out. You're with, done now. You know, the first night Richard was like, got dinner plans? I was like, yeah, let's go have a curry. Great. And then every meal since then has been curry. Yeah. Curry. 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 Oh, yeah, curry. 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 It's like, don't the British have their own cuisine? Why, where's the fish and chips? Uh, yeah. I think uh, that's all I've eaten here is fish and chips and curry. And, and fish curry. and chips <laughs> and curry. That's what they eat. Pretty much all I eat. Oh, and, and beer. And roast on Sunday. So yeah. we skipped the roast on Sunday. We totally forgot about it. And Monday morning, my wife's looking at a menu somewhere. Said, oh, we totally forgot the roast. I'm like, oh, oh well. Yeah. yeah. Little drippings on some toast. And Too late now. <laughs> some Yorkshire pudding. That's... England. Yeah, the party last night was a. L- they had little Yorkies with chunks of beef Though, in them. Those were the best thing at the party. They were very good. They yeah. were very, very yeah. good. Okay, done with curry. I, it's their Mexican food, you know. Like in the United States, <laughs> yeah, I guess. With Mexican is like you know our spicy exotic food. Yep. Although we drive through Taco Bell and call that exotic. I don't there know, you go. Whatever. I don't think Taco Bell's all that exotic. <laughs> not really. I don't. No. Not so much. You, but you don't have you know curry bell here. So, no, no, you, know. you really don't. Well, that would be pretty funny if they had a curry Wouldn't bell. It? I don't know that that's true. Take a run for the border. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think you're running for something else. But they don't have the car culture here either. That's right? true. No, yeah. they don't. Yeah, so they barely can move around in the cars yeah, in, yeah. in town. Anyway. Yeah, it's, no. just not a, it's not the way things are done. All right, enough small talk, chit chat. Let's get to better know framework. Awesome. <laughs> All right, so if you go to git appraise.pwop.me, you will find Git Appraise. This is a distributed code review for Git. What? Something that came across my desk. It's trending. Uh, it's, it's a tool, a distributed code review system for Git repos. Okay. It's, quote, by distributed, we mean that code reviews are stored inside of the repository as Git objects. Every developer on your team has their own copy of the review history that they can push or pull. Mm -hmm. When pulling, updates from the remote repo are automatically merged by the tool. The design removes the need for any sort of server-side setup. As a result, this tool can work with any Git hosting provider, and the only setup required is installing the client on your workstation. Pretty good idea. 
That's really interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. And yeah. it's just adding, you know, using the tool of Git mm-hmm. for one more purpose we didn't think of uh, before yesterday, before right now, <laughs> actually. <laughs> Somebody thought Something of it, clearly. Something we've been looking to I try thinking for a while. Of it. No but question. apparently people like this idea, and uh, they're using it. All right. So there you go. Git appraise. Love it. Who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off a show 1239, the one we did uh, just a few weeks ago with Brian Randell when we talked about Microsoft DevOps stack. That's right. And I uh, got a few good comments on that on the, on the whole DevOps conversation. Of course, a big piece of his conversation was also on the Azure side. And I mm. think if we're going to dig into App Insights today, that's a very DevOpsy kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And Yen Turleman said, uh, DevOps is a great story when your team is delivering software towards the business user or the end user. Time is money, and as soon as a user can get new features, it boosts their productivity. Mm. But we, as developers, are sitting in between. Companies like Microsoft and Xamarin are releasing their bug fixes and new stuff all the time. Yeah. Which is true. Before DevOps and continuous deployment even existed, it wasn't all that bad. When we needed to start a new project, we didn't have problems because we knew about all the bugs and workarounds. Nowadays, things are different. When we start a new project, our software is updated and contains bug fixes and, of course, new bugs. Yeah. We can't get started like that anymore. Each time we need to find a new way to make things work. Sometimes we even need to wait for the next release to solve the bug that Mm. has stopped us from working. Mm -hmm. Even when the bug fix comes in after a few days, we lose those days instead of starting up with just... No current concerns at all. Is DevOps actually an improvement? Maybe it depends on what side you're on. Can I still say that I'm an experienced developer because each time I start a new project, I have new problems. Does it, what does he mean by DevOps, though? It sounds like he means the added responsibility developers now have of making sure that they're interacting with ops correctly and doing whatever ops they need to do. Well, I mean, I think he's mostly worried about this. It's, you know, let's take the word DevOps out, just talk about yeah. this continuous delivery thing. Sure, yeah. And, 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 and combined with automated update. Mm. You, know, you pretty much can't get an older version of a library anymore yeah, because right. they're being updated so rapidly, which means... As soon as you go to build a new project and you specify that library, you're getting the current version of it, and it's going to have things that are different. Yep. We always presume with this rapid iteration that things are only going to get better, but it's simply not true. No, it's not true. You know, I know we're doing a bit of time shifting with the show. We're recording in mid-January. It's not going to come out till mid-February. Mm. But like today was the announcement that Nest thermostats, the fancy $300 iPad, I, I, you know, iPhone-like thermostats, in their January update, shipped a bug that put some Nest thermostats into a tailspin so that they fully discharged their batteries and turned off. Yeah. So you have to Oof. install the old firmware, basically. Well, you, all you had to do was manually tweak the thing, and you could get it to recharge and get to work. But if you were on vacation in Mexico when this happened, yeah. Yeah. you could come home to burst pipes and things. I've had to roll back firmware on my audio gear before yeah. a couple of times and just because weird people. bugs. Yeah. Right? If we're, we can say, I'm going to roll back the firmware, yeah. and it's not just gobbledygook, yeah, right? I right. want to hear your mother say, <laughs> you a, need to roll back the firmware on that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> my, mo- my mother would say, what the hell is this thing doing? They're I gonna don't say, get it. It's broken. It's broken. Because right? it's broken. You come home, and your Nest thermostat is dead. It's broken. It doesn't work. It doesn't what do you matter. mean, Mom? Yeah. It doesn't it work. God bless it work. <laughs> <laughs> And so I think Yan has a really important point here about when you're in the role, you know, when we're in this in-between role as developers, we're receiving continuous updates from our service providers, from the Microsoft and Xamarin's of the world, and then going out to the end user as well. We're kind of in a tricky trap of mm. building stable software. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I have any answers to it, but I appreciated his thinking. Just yeah, thought, yeah. let's bring this forward and think about it some more. Uh, and I think 
it ties into the instrument conversation because you've got to know how things are behaving differently. Sure. So, Yan, thanks so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of the social media. We post every show to Facebook and Google+. Comment there, and we read it on the show. We'll send you a mug. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. And uh, tweet us. We, we tweet for lunch. <laughs> and uh, now it's time to talk to Joe Guadagno. Uh, he is team leader at Quicken Loans, vice president of INETA North America, also organizer of Desert Code Camp. I almost thought that said dessert code camp. Then yeah. I remembered <laughs> yeah, my a lot two of S's. You. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot dessert of code that. camp. Yeah. 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 We actually thought about making the icon like an ice cream uh, bar. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Just to confuse people. Just to make uh, it worse. <laughs> Joe, Joe is also a Microsoft.net MVP and a public speaker of all things.net. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you. Yeah, should actually, we do more stuff than just .NET too. Of yeah. course, uh, yeah, and of I, course. The Ineta reference is interesting because is there an Ineta in North America anymore? No, not anymore. Yeah. As of uh, December thirty first, we uh, ceased operations. It just kind of worked ourselves out of a job after had a hell of a party. Fourteen years. Yeah, we did have a hell of a yeah, party. And and, uh, and I can I can I say that. The, the the remaining funds oh, yeah. of of the of Ineta in North America were donated to Humanitarian Toolbox. Yep, so thank right. you, one of the two thank people. you, thank you. We yeah. really are. We're super grateful. Awesome. Yeah, it was great. And and uh, and uh, toast to Ineta. <laughs> yeah, toast to Ineta. <laughs> Absolutely. And that was a, that was what, ten plus years of helping people understand what this technology could yep. do. Yep. I think we did such a good job with training speakers and getting the word out. Just that whole yeah. you know, back in those heydays. Yep. Yeah, right. you know. We were successful. People know what .NET's about. Yep. Sure. There are two ways about it. <laughs> yeah. All right. What have you been doing at the show, man? Uh, a lot of walking around, a lot of talking to people, <laughs> hanging out. Uh, like uh, shows like this, I call a family reunion. Oh, yeah, The family right. you actually like. <laughs> <laughs> the family you choose, right? The family you choose. Nice. So it's, it's a good time to you know, catch up on old friends and meet new faces of people, you know, you've been chatting with on Twitter, Facebook, yeah, LinkedIn, yeah. To, to actually put a name to the face. We've had a few folks that, uh, that were guests on the show mm -hmm. that we've never met in person that were here come in and say, Hey, right. you know. and you don't recognize them at first. Cause you never met them. You've never, face we've face. never yeah. met them, right? We've only seen their bio photo. Right. That's it. So yeah, yeah it's nice to, to see them in person. Yeah. And half the time, the bio photos look nothing like, right. Right. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> but they know you. Yeah. yeah. They know Our you. pictures look like us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris Klug, I think, is the ultimate oh, manifestation yeah. because his bio photo is crazy. Yeah, he looked like Gene Simmons with uh, <laughs> yeah. even more. Yeah, when I went to crazy. C Sharp conference, they actually a lot of the guys said you look nothing like your bio photo. Like really, and I looked like oh yeah, the picture was taken like ten years ago. I think I need to <laughs> yeah. change it. <laughs> so yeah, when my wife told my, sites. my wife told me that the Dev Intersection bio photo was like from nineteen ninety. It's vintage, yeah, uh, or five, and uh, or even earlier than that. And I looked twelve, <laughs> so she got on your case to change yep. it. Take that photograph. That's funny. All right, App Insights. Is that what we're talking about? Yes, we are. App Insights. It, uh, what is that? Yeah, what is that exactly? So App Insights is a service that's ho that's hosted on Microsoft Azure or Windows Azure. Some people know it. It's essentially a, a service that allows you to collect telemetry about your application. So you can collect things like uh, log metrics, performance metrics, crash metrics, a lot of different things just to, to get an overall look of how your application is and, and how your application is working or not working for, yeah. <laughs> for, for that matter. There's a lot of these things. You know, the, there's yeah. a, lot of, uh, a lot of things in this space. Yeah, so I think the one thing that sets application insights apart, because there are, there are others, 
Yeah. So, I mean, there, you got things like Elma. You got things like uh, Raygun by Mindscape. Sure. Uh, Stackify. I mean, Raygun and Stackify are both sponsors. Right. Yep. Dot um, uh, New Relic. New Relic. New Relic. Yep. Um, you got ton. You got ton preemptive of analytics. It's preemptive. Telerik has one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everybody's got some kind of yeah. instrumentation. There's even some in System Center. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I think Calm. the thing that's slightly different with this one that kind of sets it apart is it works for multiple platforms. Interesting. And there's not a lot of work you can do, and it combines a lot of all the different providers that are out there, like things that are done with Exceptionless versus things that are done with Elma versus mm. New Relic, and it puts them in one spot. So you can do things like, like I said, logging, which you know, if I use Log4Net or something else, I don't have to worry about you know, doing separate instrumentation for this because it automatically takes it. It can do things like performance on your on your uh, code. Can also do web tests to see if your site's up. And it's not just oh, your site's down, but I'm trying to add a catalog or trying to add a book to my shopping cart, and the shopping cart's not working. So you can right. do more than just ping test. It's more like a, it can nature. be a debugging tool. Just it's, as easily it's exactly as a, a debugging tool. Yeah. Uh, you can. You can log your traces. You can not only can you log the stack trace, but it can automatically catch exceptions for you too, mm. and put them out there. Which you know, a few lines of code. It works in JavaScript. Works in Android. Works on iOS. Works on Windows Phone. It works pretty much everywhere. Hmm. Okay. So, is it loading bits onto each of those devices? So yes. So there's an SDK. For a lot of them, essentially in the behind the scenes, it's a web service that sits there and collects these metrics. So right. each of the different each of the different frameworks has their API or SDK for it. There's a JavaScript one, there's a mobile one, mm -hmm. and they just send out these messages out, and they just collect the instrumentation for it. So it can sit on your own server, can sit on your own device, right. and start phoning home, so to speak. I mean, it, I would presume you use Azure App Insights when you're use, when you're building apps in Azure, but I guess it no, you don't have to. Not required. Nope, you can do it with your just your basic iOS app. Or I run a couple different websites that are not even hosted in right. Azure that send back telemetry and data. That's mm -hmm. the beauty about it. You don't have to be hmm. on Azure to you use. You don't it. have to commit to Azure up and down. You can just nope. You're just committing to this one service. Nice. Which, as of right now, is free, too. So what are some of the... I mean, other than cross-platform is good, and a lot of these tools are cross-platform, actually. But what are some of the other features that set it apart? I think the alerting and the reporting is pretty good. Um, you can narrow things down by time frames. You can... Um, not only by time frames, but you can also export your reports constantly okay. to it. There's real-time reporting. You can even export reports to send them to your own BI tools to analyze mm. if you're getting a lot of crash reports, things like that. Mm. Um, it's also in its infancy stage, too. I mean, it's still in preview, and they're adding more features. They're adding a lot of different extensions so you can plug into existing frameworks that you have. If you're already using something like an exception list, you can plug right into that, and it can consume that data into a central repository. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, when I think about setting up instrumentation, this is very much the DevOps kind of thinking. I tend to start with error reporting. Yep. Right. Not, you know, my my mindset for, for a number of years now has been if 
operations has to write a bug report to dev, you have failed. Yep. Like it should just be picking up the error as it occurred in production and generating that work item. Like pushing it right back either as a bug report, studio work item, I don't care. But it needs to show up at dev as impartially as possible. Like I, I, for me, the problem, and I've watched this over and over again, is when, when ops sends dev a, a, a bug report, they criticize the bug report. Yep. They yeah. don't criticize the bug. Mm. Yep. So the fact or that the it's just, just generated, <laughs> right? Just yep. this is what happened in production. This is everything we know. So I mean, just in the, let's talk websites, right? AS, when an error occurs on an ASP.NET website, it generates an event yep. on that web server. And if you don't go look into that log file, like you just don't even know about it. You know yep. nothing. And operations guys might be using they might be using SCOM, mm. usually not, because mm -hmm. it's an expensive product, but the, the hassle of trying to gather that event log stuff, it's a pain in the butt. Yeah. That's one of the things that's great with this is that you don't have to do that. As long as the site is instrumented with the toolkit and there's several different ways you can do it. it yeah, how do I get that toolkit that. into the site? So with if it's an ASP.NET site or, or a Windows-based site, all you have to do is there's an ISS extension that you can get right. that you'll just add on, and it's just another handler that sits on the ASP. So this is something an ops guy can do. You don't, ha yep. you don't have to recompile the app, none of that nope. stuff. Nope. You do that, it automatically starts collecting that and sending it off to App Insights. You'll just need your app key, which is the long GUID for it. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, for apps that aren't hosted, there are extensions that you can get that will allow it to work. So if you're in an Azure app, um, that's not an ASP, like a WordPress hosted or a sure. Linux-based one. There's an extension that you can get that will also go inside of the ASP pipeline. Okay. Uh, for regular servers or for non-Windows servers, yeah. I should say, there isn't a toolkit yet to start instrumenting the server errors or the uh, server performance. That's what the collection, the base collection does. It's uh, we'll trap errors and to talk about page load times, server response time, get requests, right. things like that. But you can still get some other instrumentation like page details, number of views, without doing a lot of a lot, if any, coding at all. Yeah, I mean, and in the end, the coding aren't I aren't I just dropping a reference to a library into a web page to instrument it? Yep, for a JavaScript app, yeah. it's including a couple lines of JavaScript code, and right. then you can start referencing With it. some kind of token attached so that it yep. identifies what app this is. Yep, and then for a .NET app, you can just include a NuGet package, and all the wiring is done for you, then right. you can just talk to it any way you so want. So if you are willing to recompile, or at least you know do this add-in, yep. now you get it. It's pretty trivial. Yeah, it is. It's from a JavaScript perspective. They even have the JavaScript code. You can copy it and paste it, and put it on there. If you're using something like WordPress yeah. and you want it, there's actually a WordPress plugin. No kidding. That will do it for you. I, I mean, I'm not wildly enthralled with WordPress. I run a few WordPress sites because that's what people wanted. Yep. Yeah. But uh, and by the way, running WordPress on Windows Server is a mistake. Don't. Ooh. Yeah, it's really hard. It's such really a pain. Hard. I mean, I've been doing I've been doing it now for a few years. I keep thinking I should write blog posts about figuring out the security model and so forth. Isn't but one of the things about WordPress is that there are services out there that just give you access to WordPress? Yeah, uh, and, yeah. and in hindsight, well, I should have just signed up. 
yeah. to to a, 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 a you know WordPress as a service model. Yeah, because yeah. you don't want to own that stuff, you really don't. And the fact that I yeah. could, but it, I mean, it's exciting to me. They, the plugin model for WordPress is pretty compelling. So yeah. the fact that I could have a plugin that goes use App Insight, so that I have a reporting tool I'm familiar with, and get reports about WordPress that way. That's that's cool. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Raygun Pulse. You know about Raygun, that error in crash reporting software. Well, they've just launched Pulse. It's a real user monitoring product that gives you real-time performance data and user insights, letting you understand exactly what's happening when users interact with your software. Never be left guessing. Raygun provides you with the answers to your performance questions. Having found over 10 billion bugs in customer apps with their crash reporting product, Raygun now lets you understand application quality like no one else. Over 30,000 developers worldwide can't be wrong. Try it out today with a no-risk 30-day free trial. Check them out at raygun.io. What if you're using other third-party uh, providers, like uh, web providers, like Squarespace, for example? As, as long as you can in, inject HTML or, sure. or JavaScript. So if you're hosting even on Blogspot or uh, even just a basic HTML page, you can put in the three lines of Java code. Yeah. You got yeah, a script. which you'd have to do for Google Analytics or anything else, really. Sure. Exactly. If you can do it for Google Analytics, and you, you mean can do JavaScript code? Yeah, it's JavaScript. Yeah, code. yeah, right. Although there are there is a Java SDK for it. Is also. it really? Okay. Yep. Oh, that's cool. They're trying to make it available for Wowzers. everything. How many languages are we talking about here? As in, once you look, if you've got C sharp, Java, and and JavaScript, you've covered a large chunk of the market. Yeah. Mm. Uh, not to take anything away from the Python guys and stuff, but like that is a big piece of market yep. right there. Uh, are there others? Uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember. Okay. I mean, it's, that's a, it, you hit the big ones. And it's also, like I said before, in preview, so there, every other day it's changing. Yeah, I bet. Mm. Yeah, I just flipped open the website. It's like, yeah, there's Java, there's ASP.NET, there's, there's, uh, there's the, iOS, yeah. there's the Android. Yeah, of course, the mobile side super important for this, right? Yeah. So in a couple of the demos that they have on the main site, they use Xamarin to show you how you can create an app and how you just download the package. And then you can create your own custom events, too. So you can do your own type of Google Analytics without needing Google Analytics. You can say, I want to see how many times people are breaking the high score. I want to see how many times people are clicking the help button hmm. or seeing how many people completed a level on hard versus easy versus right. that. And you can start tracking all that stuff. Fairly easily, like one or two lines of code. Yeah, but and and, and I mean, this is another level. We were talking about like error trapping in production, which I love yep. getting errors from phones and things like that. So you really know where you know where the yep. error occurred. How much demographic data can you get? Like, how much do you know about the device that got the error? So, from a device standpoint, you know a. Resolution of screen, great chunk of stuff. All the basics you would expect: the size of the screen, how much memory, type of device, what version of yeah. the OS mm -hmm. is yeah. on there, mm. uh, any patches that are on there, what the bandwidth was like, yep. what whether you're on 4G, wireless, yeah, with all that fire cell. Yeah, it's pretty much like guys a, complaining about the performance of the site. He was on a 2G network. Yep, <laughs> and you can see that. You can see absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Does the, uh, and this is a question that's on everybody's mind, um, does it impact for performance at all? So from what I've noticed, it really hasn't. What it does in, in the background is it starts queuing up the request behind right. the scenes. So mm -hmm. when you, if you're on a website and someone just 
keeps clicking a button that button triggers an event those events don't automatically go out to the site it kind of waits for the cpu or the site to be a little bit idle and then it'll start broadcasting out those in batches and you can configure how quick you want those batches to either do instantly or wait a couple of seconds or minutes or just when you shut down the app but then you run the risk of you know losing some of that performance data yeah, I mean, if somebody's hammering away trying to refresh your site and then they close the browser, yeah. you may not get all those packets, but you probably don't need them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, you could do the same thing like you do with other logging apps is just have it set to different levels to so only do this and debugging versus... Yeah. But that's prod- always the biggest problem with any of this kind of instrumentation is you get overwhelmed with data. Yeah. Like, how do you actually make sense of all that? Yeah. That's a good thing about this. It also lets you categorize things right. as you're sending them. So you can say that this is, you know... Game metrics, not important. This is crash metrics, things like that. So you can start slicing and dicing the data from the site or Trim if you it download it. And this also, is the client all web-based? You just go to an Azure portal of some yep. kind and get to App Insights? Yep. You go to, you go to uh, the Azure portal and choose all your resources. And then App Insights is one of those resources. And you create one for each app that you want to distinguish. And it doesn't necessarily, you don't need one for each client because the type of client comes in with the metric report. So if you have something like, uh, let's say .NET Rocks app, you have a site where you can track the metrics, you can track the number of views on your phone all from that one app ID and you can see everything in one central portal. They are working on a add-in within Visual Studio to allow you to see some of that right wow, right cool. now the plugin just allows you to click on it and automatically launches in your browser just with sends that off app the browser yeah selected mm. but they're trying to trying to do a lot with that and kind of tying in the uh intellitrace that they have for the ultimate editions to kind of see those hmm. same events at the same time interesting so I would like the fact that you could build your own data, like to be an SDK essentially for the reporting side. You could build a dashboard, like set it up yep. the way you want it, focus on the particular things you want. Because it's got to get a little tricky if you start building your own events, how that actually gets visualized on a, on a sort of standard dashboard. So they have their own visualization. So one of the great things about it too is that you have charts. Any kind of chart you want to slice at. <laughs> mm. Pie charts, bar charts, flip charts, dotted charts, any yeah. kind of chart right. you can do. So you can see lots of things. You can compare side by side certain metrics where you can do a lot of that yourself. And I got to imagine that they're going to expose that because behind the scenes, that's all they're using. Yeah. It's a REST-based API that, that consumes all the messages. So why not have it that it can you know report on it so you can build your own Yeah. Nice dashboard. Well, I can also see, like, for me, who is a guy who would read those reports and check them every day, that's fine. But if I'm reporting up the chain or I'm dealing with other teams and stuff, like, I'd I'd like to be able to build an automated script that once a day, you know, overnight, as the day gets wrapped up, takes the overall stats and emails them out in a nice little looking thing. Says, here's our current uptime. Here's the errors we're seeing. These are the classic clients that are having problems, that kind of thing. So although there's no published API to do that, Right yeah. now, you can still do that because they have the ability to export your stats on a certain interview. I'm not sure if it's day, daily, hourly, or what. Right. But you mm-hmm. can export all your stats to an Azure storage container. Just and download that and parse it. Yeah, write, yeah, write your code to pick up that data and write, yep. generate your own. Yep. So, yeah, you, you're, you're going to do it yourself, but it, that's still fine. Right? It's at least the way to get to it. Yeah, until, they, until something's available... Yeah, it's still early days. The thing's in preview. 
Yeah. Right? Still, yeah. They do show pricing, but I guess they're not right. actually charging anybody yet. No, they're not, because there's, there's two different models that they offer. They're free and the standard. Uh, free gets you 5 million data points, I believe, in seven days mm. of a week. the history. Wow. Oh, yeah. it keeps seven days of the history, 5 million points a month or 5 million points a week? 5 million data points. Data points. Sets each metric, each, oh, each event. Over that period of time. But it's throwaway point data older than that. Yep. Just Seven days or five million go away with the free edition. Right. With the standard edition, you uh, have a little bit, or they plan to have a little bit more redundancy in it. Right now there isn't. Everything's just in central. Right. You also have, I think, 30 days and some ridiculously odd number of, <laughs> yeah. of metric points. Yeah, it's 15, 15 or 20 million AKA lots. Like you're not going to look at that much data. You just <laughs> yeah, not, you're not. You well, are you can, not looking at that. Well, you can put as much as as you want. We'll be able to handle it. Yeah. Be sure. <laughs> sure, we will. Hey, Richard. Yeah, guess buddy. what time it is? I uh, must be that happy time again. You guessed it, man. It's time to use App Insights to track down the source of the "Tell Franklin to Stop Telling Jokes" message DDoS attack against .netrocks.com. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's actually time to give away a Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, building a mobile application for iOS, Android, or Windows Phone doesn't have to leave you yearning for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I didn't write this, by the way. It's pretty funny. Uh, life is worth living. Promise! There's definitely a better way, and it's the Telerik platform. It not only helps you build awesome cross-platform mobile apps fast, it's also a complete solution that supports the entire spectrum of your development needs, from design, build, and test to deploy, manage, and measure. You're covered. Try it free at Telerik.com slash platform. Awesome, dude. Who's our winner? Today's winner is David Kowalski. Congratulations, David. Yeah. It's all flat for you, sir. And uh, David just won the DevCraft collection from Telerik. That's a big pile of awesome from our friends over there. And if you don't know what we're doing, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree. Yes, that's right. To one lucky Done member, it four times. <laughs> to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club, but you got to sign up to win. And uh, we ask our guests too, Joe, if you had five thousand dollars to spend on technology right now. Oof, right well, now, that'd be rough. What would you buy? <laughs> the list is so long. <laughs> Not enough money. I think a couple of smart TVs. Yeah, yeah. I just my my TVs are they're still in. Kindergarten right now. They're not that smart. I kind of go back and forth on the smart TV thing. Like I just bought one, just because it's got an attack. It's another attack surface. From yeah. A well, actually, it, Scott Hanselman just posted something about like that on Twitter. Yeah. It's like I want no more smart TVs. I'm smart enough. Really? I want to be able to tell the TV what to watch. Just gotta, show you want me a stupid this. TV. Yeah, I want a stupid TV. Yeah. I'm more looking for just you know a lot more consolidation in devices. Right, right. now, I carry around. Every time I travel, three or four different devices. I want one device that can do everything. Do all the things. Yeah. Hmm. I do like the idea. I mean, I love the, um, the, the ability to just turn it on, use the remote, and you're watching your Netflix shows. Right. You're watching yeah. Your yeah, Netflix right in the TV. Although, you know, the, the, you know, the devices, the dongles that plug into Chromecast, your TV. Yeah, the Chromecast, the Chromecast, the Fire, Those are yeah. 40 bucks. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty cheap. Like, 
that turn a dumb TV into a smart TV yeah. real quick. Yeah. I've, I've got a couple of Rokus floating around the house. Yeah. Uh, and we use Netflix and Plex. Yeah. So I have my own cache of stuff, right, down on right. my server. And Plex just does such a good job of instrumenting. You know what's it just recurred to me? The That's first it. time I interviewed you on .NET Rocks was show 69. And we were talking about... The, the technology of the day was, the, the what was the, the VCR recorder? The TiVo? TiVo. And you said, uh, TiVo doesn't work in Canada. We don't get metadata up here. Right. But you know what I did? And, and maybe I didn't want to talk about this on the show because I don't know that it was legal. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. now it doesn't matter. Now it, it doesn't, doesn't matter because it's long gone. <laughs> so there was a service out there that made metadata. Yeah. Okay? So... What I had to do was spoof the TiVo device. I think it was actually a Replay TV. I built a Linux box that would lie to it and said, I'm the DNS server for, <laughs> and then it would route to my own service that would feed my source of metadata <laughs> yeah. into it. Nice. That's great. And so, because so, it didn't know what my channels were. So I was able to feed, construct my own metadata and feed it to the, to the Replay TV device. Don't break the law, kids. Don't be like <laughs> yeah. Richard Campbell. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, imagine trying to explain that to a judge. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. But, yeah, I had Replay TV working for me back then by basically generating my own TV guide for it. Wow. And you had to fool the thing to do that. There was a whole little underground club of folks that were figuring this stuff That's out. That's crazy. I think so. now there's even just one shared service that, you know, DirecTV, Dish, and all the major providers use now. To some degree, yeah. I mean, I, the thing is, you just don't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's just not the way you... Th see, I don't care about cable right I, it's yeah, just yeah. data just give me the data i just need data right and that between netflix and hulu and it's like that that's where the good television exists anyway yeah. you know netflix drops a new ep, a, a new season of house of cards they drop all the episodes at once binge yourself right yeah. go nuts yeah. that 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 model's over so pretty cool well, what were you going to buy? <laughs> Sorry, it's, over for the, it's over for the likes of us, but you know, my wife that sits at home, you know, she needs her live TV because mm. she doesn't want to go and start, oh, what am I going to watch now and have to go through and choose? Yeah, she exactly. Sometimes she just likes to turn on TV. And, I, said, oh, I said before, I'll, I'll say it again. That. If it weren't for live events, cable TV would be out of business. Yeah. 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 It's the live events that are the problem. Well, and so many live events now are streamed anyway. So I, yeah. I think they're, well, you Sports know, aren't, though. This thing, it Some are. NFL events are yeah, baseball. Yeah, that's are, I guess but you have right. to buy individual subscriptions, which makes it a lot. But more then it's actually expensive. the product you want, right? right? It's True. like if, if you care about the socks, and apparently some people do. Are you talking about the Red Sox? Yes. Yeah, some people it's, do. Some people Richard. do. I don't, you know, but yeah, yeah. I would not be saying that casually. There, I'm <laughs> poking directly at certain individuals. The fact Jay that you, Franklin, Jay who Franklin. listens and edits this show, we're talking about you. <laughs> you can pay a monthly fee to get. More than you can get on cable television yep. yeah, about the Red right. Sox, yeah. right? To really, I think, get quite a good quality product. Right. About and watch it, it wherever you want. Watch it wherever you want. want. It's like, and by the way, cable is not is just as prone to bandwidth problems as regular. Yeah. Uh, and as even, as even more so now because they're sharing their bandwidth yeah. with, you know, their with, internet Because they're also being ISPs and yeah. everything else, right? Like it's, yeah. Eh, that's the whole thing so incestuous. I'm not. Yep. I'm not unhappy cutting the, the cutting the wire. You know, I have a bunch of different bandwidth coming into the house because I'm that kind of guy. Sure. And the 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 telco, the, the guys who used to just sell telephone services, showed up at the door offering me yet a new internet service, yeah. but only if I'd also buy their TV package and yeah. their new phone package. Yeah. And I said, no, sell me data or go away. Right. <laughs> and yeah. and they, that really frustrated them. And so they went away a couple of times. Finally, they came back. They sold me data. Oh, good. <laughs> so, good. Yeah. Common problem, you know, all over. Absolutely. But did but you get the best rate though? Because you know you're probably grandfathered in. 
back uh, for for you know before they having the first data, data yeah. like you. Yeah. Well, and it, and that and that's a funny thing, right? I bought through their new package, so they'd install their new stuff for me for free. And now, and right away, I'm hitting bandwidth limits, so I've had to reconfigure my router to limit how much bandwidth's going through them, because I mm-hmm. found out, of course, they never said anything about bandwidth limits when they signed <laughs> me up, but it's like, oh, there's your bandwidth limit, okay, All I right. throttled you, knowing when I have a whole day to spend mm-hmm. on the phone mm-hmm. with this bloody organization mm-hmm. to get my account converted from their promo account to a real business account, mm-hmm. and I'll get a couple of fixed IPs and get the bandwidth configured right, like, I just, I know what I'm going to have to do. Yep. To get it right, I'll pay for the service if you actually can provide the service. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, you can take the damn thing out. Okay, not so. that I'm around or ant or anything. <laughs> hey, let's uh, talk I, about App Insights. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad I got to talk to you guys for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> not my wheelhouse, really. Hey, I did pull up from the uh, Azure yeah, App Insights site all of the languages they support, and there is a bunch of third-party stuff built for Objective C, PHP, Python, Ruby. Hmm. Like yep. they've really got a comprehensive list of clients now to to plug data into App Insights. That makes me pretty yep. happy. Yeah, and there also there's also a lot of other extenders that are being worked on for logging providers. So you can get things for log for net and log trace appenders, whatever your flavor is. They're trying to make it as easy as possible yeah. to use this. Are they competing price-wise with all of these other entities? Oh, right now they're free. Right now they're free yeah. for seven days. I don't know what the other model is. Free for seven days and then what? No, the you have seven days worth you of only data. only seven days worth of data. Oh, oh I so see. So it's free for, for life, you. but you can only go back. And it's not for like it's, it's for now. At for some now. point, they're going to start charging. It's That's like right. every Azure product. Right. It comes up preview for free. And at some point, they say, okay, well, 90 days from now, we're going to start charging. Here's the rate. Yeah, I remember you said that before. Yeah. yeah. But I think they're, for this one, I think they're going to keep a free tier because it goes in line with their free standard and pro. Yeah, for it, and it totally makes sense. Because you you will pay if you want to keep the data. Yeah. And. Here's and here, you know, we've really only talked about the event error logging, that sort of thing, the basic diagnostics, and so forth. Where I think instrumentation gets really interesting, and I first did this with preemptive, but I presume Apps Insight would do this, is essentially production level method monitoring. Yeah, right. right. Like just this whole, you know, back in the old days when, when you know, ASP.NET 2.0, there was Redgate Nance, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, and it and it was method profiling, but it it nailed the server to the wall. You could not put it in production. I'd have to write a load test, run the site through the load test with ants attached to it, and it would bubble to the top. Here's the methods being called the most that's taking the most time, right? It, it had this algorithm yeah. that sort of waited. Yeah, that's a really long running, but only one guy calls it every week. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Mm-hmm. But here's this thing that's taking two minutes to run, and it's being called five times a minute. Yep. Right? And that, to me, was really powerful stuff. The problem was, because you couldn't run it in production, you had to make a good enough load test. And I cannot tell you how many times we tuned the wrong flipping thing because the load test was lying to us, right? Load tests aren't like humans. Humans are weird. (laughs) And you have to think, you have to assume you know what your clients are going to want to do. You're just wrong. So the idea of getting this kind of testing into production like right, this kind of instrumentation. What I want to know is what methods are being called the most, mm. and how long is each one of those calls taking? And as the load goes up, do they take longer? Like those those kinds of detailed metrics about how people are actually using your app, where the stress really exists. Like it's hard to see that from the outside. So I mean, have you gone down this path? You you know what I'm talking about? 
so yes, I have my <laughs> the last three months of my life at work has been doing. I that. love it. I love it. So <laughs> that look on your face is I feel your pain. Yes, I feel your pain. That's pretty much what me and my team has been doing awesome. at work for the last three months, trying wow. to find some of our pain points in yeah, some of our existing I, applications. I got, you know, you've got X many hours of dev resource available to you to try and make your site better. Can you figure out the right thing to work on? Yep. And that's that's the hard part. Like you said, low test can only get you so far. Yeah. They can see where some of the big bottlenecks are, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's what your clients are actually doing or sure. how they're actually clicking on the site. Or how the or site behaves the under load. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, that's the thing that's hard. It's like everything is fine, but we get to the certain point you know, stuff to stop appearing in the shopping cart. Yep. I'm quoting a case I've dealt with, yep. where it's only when this thing was nailed to the wall that you start getting weird cart behavior and stuff yep. like that. So that's actually a, a good segue to one of the other features sure. that it has. They have something called web tests, where you can record tests inside a Visual Studio and run them as scheduled low tests that can just run at any random point in time you mm -hmm. want, or you can have them scheduled every day at this is so sort of end-to-end wow. -end testing and end, end testing I love from it. beginning That's end you can cool. test one individual part if you just want to test the shopping cart to see what happens if you know 10,000 people hit it and add to the shopping cart you can create those tests and run them right within the tool you can have them scheduled and it can report back on those tests see I've done this by writing code right to you know we'd create a dashboard that says now go you know go fake a shopping cart don't add it you know to the database or yep. anything mm, but yep. you're saying I can do this through App Insights through App Insights and Visual Studio. Okay. So you create the web test, you record it in Visual right. Studio, and then upload the DLL through App Insights, and it will run that series nice. of tests for you. Yeah. So when you hit peak, you know, it's 5 o'clock in the afternoon, East Coast time, and this is peak time for your shopping site, you can go, tell me what, you know, run that run through on the shopping cart, tell me what the experience is like right now. Yep. Yep. Okay. And it can do that, and it can mm. do that from several different several different data centers throughout the world. So you, can, you can ping it from you know here in the UK where we are now or back home. I mean, and Coast, this is something I've done with web, webpagetest.org. Yep. You know, where you're actually able to say, here, go to this web, go to this web page from this location with this browser, yep. and it'll give you the feedback. But it's really only a page request. You can't do anything deep with that, right? It's kind of a superficial poke. For the for the ping test, yes, but you yeah, can I'm also I'm not talking about webpagetest.org, I'm not talking about app insights. Correct. Okay, so App Insights has got something a little bit more sophisticated. Yes, well, you can tell it where to go, what to send it. Yeah. As long as it's And in you those can take tests. one of these more elaborate tests you've built yep. and have it exercise that. Yep. That's very cool. I don't know of another way to do that, that without writing a lot of code. Yeah, and like I said, you could just use a recording feature in Visual Studio yeah. Test Manager, and it makes it even easier for you. You don't no have kidding. to do it. Hmm. So you could you just put it out there, right? Like, not, not a big deal. Yep. Collect up a bunch of these things. Uh, I don't know if you've done this yet, but how well those tests survive updates to the app? Do you basically have to re-record them when the new version of the app comes out? It really depends on what you change. I mean, all it's doing is recording the scripts from where you started to where you end. So right. if you're changing names of dialog boxes or inputs, yeah. you can change them. Input requirements. You but all it does that. is it generates a series of C-sharp commands or VB, depending on your language you oh, choose, okay. commands behind the scenes that you can change. You can change the values of them. So you could go in and edit them directly. Yep, you can go and edit them directly. Interesting. If you need mm. to, re-record oh, okay. them. It can tell you where well, they're and, broken. And part of that just comes from Test Manager, too, right? It's all Test Manager. Yeah. It's actually just reading the Test Manager scripts, those DLLs that are generated from yeah. Test Manager. Well, it's, and it's and a whole other level online. of the conversation. It's, it, and I don't think a lot of people use this stuff. Like, Microsoft Test Manager is a pretty good product. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in there. That just, I think it's ignored. 
I think it's ignored for a couple of different reasons. <laughs> uh, most of it is just people don't know it's there sure. and setting it up. If you want to truly set it up, you need a good bunch of VMs hosted to hit the different scenarios, right. different types of browsers. So you're back to having a conversation with IT probably, which is yep. sometimes Hey, I need five VMs because I'm going to do this now. Yeah. Or you know, if now with Application Insights, you can update, you can upload those and choose where you want those from the, kind of the tests cloud. to do. Yep, running from the cloud. And this is where we get back to. Yeah, no, our site's on-premise, but our testing's in the cloud. Yep. Right? So, yeah, being able to do that, it's an interesting mix. Plus, yeah. test manager, I mean, it sounds serious enough. It's like you want to be a QA manager before you're sort of playing with those tools. Like, I don't know that devs want to spend time on that. But yeah. it'd make your life better. You're actually going to compile yeah. some things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing your, your small apps, I think most devs can handle it easily. But it's, it's a tool definitely written for... For QAs, yeah, for QA much thinking, better. anyway, yep. much but better at that. How we all do this as developers, right? You make some tweaks to the site, you post it up to the test server, and then you open a browser. Yep, and you manually walk through this, right? Who was the guy? Who was the guest who was yelling at us for how many times have you manually walked through this app to get to that one thing you worked on? To, to exercise it, rather than write a test around. Might have been Scott Nimrod. Scott Nimrod, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Rather than Build up a test. You know, as soon as you do that twice, you were wasting time. Don't yeah. be a, cust uh, a, a software debuggerer. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much what we preach at our, our place. Automate, automate, automate. Team. Automate as much of it as possible. Right. right. This way, because that's what we're actually doing as part of our code reviews now is let me see the unit test run, make sure it works, then we can go and, mm. and validate it online. Love it. That it works. Mm -hmm. so, but the fact that the test manager... It's actions are just going to feed directly into App Insights. So you're, yep. you're able to see the results, quote unquote, in production. Yep. Mm -hmm. In real time, too. Yeah. Well, I guess you don't have to only instrument the production system, right? You could, could instrument a load test that way. Yep. Do you but do any load tests? Do I do any? Yeah. Does any of the projects you're doing now, do you bother with load testing or is it just like let the customer load test? No. So that's been one of our biggest things right now at least with my team's been concentrating on or doing load tests against our public facing sites, looking at those load test results and trying to tweak that, trying to tweak the code to. Now, are you running a separate it? instance of the site when you do the test or are you actually testing against the public site? Both. Okay. So we run a, in our, what we call beta environment, which closely mirrors the production environment, right. just not the same horsepower. Yeah. Like we don't have. It's a smaller site. It's a smaller version of it. And we just, you know, try to use calculations based on, well, if we have five sites in beta, we have a hundred in, t in production. You so know, it should be 5% of the size, right? Yeah. So we do that and that's pretty much what the focus has been. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Getting that I mean, stuff it, ready. At least it's enough pieces that you're still doing load balancing. You're not circum. You're not ignoring certain key steps of what the full scale site does. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And we even testing, even doing it through the load balancing server. So we sure. have our own load balancing well, server set up. Back in the good old days, the <laughs> dot com boom days, where we had more money than sense. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was paid by companies to build pre-production sites that looked like their production sites, except they had more hardware because they also had load generators in them. Yep. We, and you would actually buy an extra F5 load balancer at $50,000 because, you know, internet money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. You just you can can't do, do that anymore. Like, it doesn't no. exist. But things like Azure and, and Amazon make it a little bit oh, easier because you can there. scale it up for short term, do your load test yeah. and scale it back. Well, and I think it's really interesting to do the testing against your actual production site yep. while actual production users are using it. Yep. So, what external service are you using to 
bring that load in? How do you make it not be a denial of service attack? Uh, we use a couple different load testing suites yeah. that we whitelist those yeah. IPAs. Where they're coming or, from. Yeah, the IP addresses, where they're coming from, so we don't get you know, those denials. So <laughs> we learned that quickly the first time yeah. we did it. <laughs> oh, everything, everything, yeah, everything's broken <laughs> yeah, now. No. It was like we went live. And I don't know, minutes later, we started, what happened? We DDoS our site. Yeah. And it's locked us up. Well, you know, you have a good security team, and they actually block your IP. You just blocked us from talking to ourselves. No, we actually talking about Who's mad at who here? Sorry. I accidentally left the floodgates on. Yep. We're actually starting to talk about, as part of our development check-in process, that we have to run load tests. At sure. the end of a sprint, I love it to make sure that we don't. Well, it's it's part of your deployment process yep. now, right? Yeah, but I think the other piece of this, and I don't know if you're there, but it's certainly something I got involved in years ago. Was this? What does this site look like when it's circling the drain? Like, there's a there's a window of a site failing. Like, we are actually in trouble here. We should spin up more instances, or we should cut load, or thing before we completely crash. And every site looks different, but you can you can learn what that under load as the distress site mode looks like for your site. So that's some of the testing that we did in the yeah. last three months. And we actually built out stuff to see, to detect when that happens. When that happens, we have, we show up a different user experience. Right. You dial, you dial back what your instrument, what you're producing so yep. that you reduce the load on your infrastructure. Yep. I'm saying, hey, I'm a little tired right now. Uh, yeah. or I'm getting a little worked out here. <laughs> yeah, life's a little intense instead. for us right now. So here's the lightweight version. Everybody's a mobile device. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's cool. We like to call it fails gracefully. It, I, I'm <laughs> not, not a bad thing, right? Not a bad yeah. way to look at it. So I, I don't want to, you know, the alternative is you start blocking users. Yeah. And that doesn't make people happy either. No. Right? So I go, all right. You know, most of our users are having a great experience, but the few that can get in, not so great. As <laughs> yeah. opposed to everybody can get in, and now nobody can do anything. Yeah. Or yeah. everybody can get in, but they get a degraded experience, yep. but we can stay alive. Is there anything that we're, we're missing in terms of maybe the uh, Visual Studio integration or some other cool features that we can uh, shout out to? So there's virtually no Visual Studio integration. Oh, great. Right that was now. an awesome question. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a button on the toolbar that highlights hey, you got your first uh, App Insight event. Do you want to click here and yeah. I'll take you to it? Right. Uh, but like I was mentioning before, they're, they're trying to put together a window similar to what you have now with IntelliTrace yeah. that would uh, uh, allow you to see a lot of that stuff in Visual Studio. But while you're debugging in Visual Studio, you can see the stuff in real time yeah. on the site. You just have to have that portal opened up. Well, and I imagine if Goo's behind it, it's going to make its way into Visual Studio somehow. Yeah, I got to imagine it's going to be in that Cloud Explorer very yeah. soon. It's just, yeah. it's right. not there yet. They're working on the service. Figured they get it in the Azure Blade first. And then they'll well, make and it we're out. not the only customers for this product, right? Yeah, That's sure. the funny part. Not yeah. everybody's using Studio that needs access to this product. Yeah, but it looks like, from my it's my personal opinion, it looks like they actually built it to manage Azure inside. Right, and it's like this is such a great tool. Let's start marketing it and, and putting it outside. Because you look at some of the documentation, some of the, some of the words they use are blades. You know. Yeah instrument your blade data to here. I was like, no one really uses that unless you're putting a server in or you're right, in right. the 
Azure portal so we where might these a, things we might be blade. looking at effectively internal documentation here from a product they're using anyway. Yep. Mm. That's really cool. I mean, one th on one side, it's like the ultimate dog food case, which sure. just already works clearly. Well, that's how, that's how another cloud provider does it. Yep. They, <laughs> they use it all internally, and then once they say, oh, this is actually really good, they make it a product. Oh. <laughs> I, you know, I... You know, I wonder if you're ever going to see a product like this open sourced. You know, it's an Azure is obviously their Microsoft's moneymaker and stuff, but uh, but you, you could see the benefit of having. I could uh, see this input. hosted in yep, and in house. You put up this server with this API and this database, and then it does everything else yeah. for you. Kind of like what uh, oh, what was his name? Gentleman wrote Exceptionalists. He. Uh, he did it. He added it himself and then said, you know what? I'm going to make this so anyone, yeah. anyone can use, use it. That. But even yeah. the development of it, you know, yeah. uh, is, is sort of instead of being walled off, might be interesting. I don't know if we'd ever well, see that. Well, they got that. the SDK is open sourced as True. well as, uh, I don't know if the API is yet. All right. But it's coming. It's coming. It's great stuff, Joe. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. I really like it. I've been spending a good chunk of time in the last couple of months using it and trying to... Do you feel like you know up. more about your software, like coming out the other side of it? You like your stuff better or, you know, does it influence what you build? Uh, not, not yet, because yeah. I'm not instrumenting the apps as much as I'd like to. The, the current app that I'm working on for my code camp, I'm adding the instrumentation to it to really see where a lot of those bottlenecks or pitfalls sure. or, or where the experience is lacking, but I think if you do it right, just like logging, if you do logging right, it can really help yourself. But yeah. you, you also don't you do want to overflow yourself with data. You, but you find the worst bottleneck, you fix it, and then there's yep. just another bottleneck further down the line. Yep. But you hit, and you hit a point of diminishing returns, and you keep bumping about that bottleneck, yep. where people are just like, hey, you know what? Site's pretty fast. Yeah, mm. <laughs> like fast enough. Yeah, you know where the next bottleneck is, mm. but it's not bothering anybody enough, yeah. least of all you, to do mm. anything about it. Mm. But to answer your question, I think it will help. Once you start using it all the way yeah. to its full extent, or it's well, we're definitely going to have to circle back with you a later time and see what you think of, of it next year. You know? Yeah, yeah, and maybe I, not before then. I love the idea of using stuff like App Insights to say, let's A/B test a feature. You know, yep. here's one version of feature, here's another version of feature. Run them both. Say which kit costs the most load, which people are spending the most time on it. That kind of thing. You yep. know, feature exploration with instrumentation is a really a mm. cool layout yeah. level of all of this. Yeah. yeah, it can add a new level to A/B testing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I think it's it's one of these things you start to see sort of at the unicorn level of the DevOps story these days. Right. So if we can actually get consistent tooling around this, where you don't have to be a unicorn to make that happen, I think that's exciting. Right. Like yeah. Anybody could start A/B testing at that level. All right. Yeah. Joe, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Pleasure listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> Not talking, just listening. <laughs> well, you know, you, it's just great to hear people who know what they're talking about talk about it. So, oh, uh, who was that? We, yeah, well, you, <laughs> we knew people like yeah, that, right? <laughs> All right. I gotta we'll go find you. that person. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com 
for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes,